0: just want to say hi to any listeners out there. If anybody's listened to my new podcast, this is Insignificant Man. Just put together some recordings, uh, my thoughts, and wanted to share them with people. I also have a channel on YouTube under the same name, Insignificant Man. I put together videos and any other visual aids that I can add to the talks. But if you are not able to access YouTube, my podcasts are available on a lot of different platforms. Through anchor.fm. So I hope you enjoy and I hope you listen, and I'll get started. Today I just wanted to talk a little bit about something I've already covered before in my first recordings, just explaining myself and my background. But thinking back on it, that might not have been as clear as I possibly could to explain to anybody listening really why I'm thinking the way I'm thinking and why I put so much stock into the raw material and the Talmud of Emmanuel. For you to understand me or to even maybe start to believe how strongly I feel about it, I, I need to explain a few things. And for starters, I think everybody can tell you know, that I feel strongly enough about this information just based off the fact that I'm putting it out on YouTube and in a podcast for people to listen to. I am fully aware of the names that people from the Christian community, the Christian world will call me from Gnostic to heretic to backslider to sinner to I've fallen away because I was never part of God's children to begin with. And that's fine. I'm totally okay with that. <laughs> I am at peace with that. But that should show even a little more of my resolve. Because of my background, I grew up in a Christian home. Like I said, my dad was a Protestant Christian pastor of a evangelical church. And it was a great way to grow up. He taught me a lot. And, you know, at the time, up until recently, I believed everything wholeheartedly that the Bible was the sole source. And in college, I had some disagreements or some friends, Christian friends of mine had some disagreements with me over the difference between Calvinism and Arminianism. And I think I mentioned before that some friendships were actually lost because of it and it wasn't because i was trying to push anything on them it was just based off the fact that i didn't totally agree with their perspective and they wouldn't give me any room and they wanted to tell me i was wrong and constantly tell me i was wrong and because i was wrong there was something wrong with me and first of all i'm an idiot i don't know what i'm talking about and i'm being deceived (laughs) that's always the way it is and you need to pray about it because you're falling away from god (laughs) Okay, whatever you got to tell yourself, but I just have a different opinion I don't know why that has to be such a big deal to some people, but it is especially in the Christian community And you also see it when you start looking at different religions clashing as well You know back when the reformation first started the catholic church was killing for the sake of preserving their perspective and Killing anybody under the guise of heresy if they thought anything different. And that's what was so huge about Martin Luther. But not only was Martin Luther so instrumental for what he brought to the Reformation and others of his kind and the others that thought and believed the same way he did, that it needed to get back to the pure source. And I totally, 100% wholeheartedly agree with that. But what Martin Luther really brought was the exact same thing that Emmanuel brought, that he didn't have fear that he believed so strongly in something that he stood up to him and listed the 95 thesis on the door. And same as Emmanuel, when he came, he challenged the church at the time, the Sadducees and Pharisees, and he wouldn't back down because his resolve was so strong and so sound. And it, it was impressive how unwavering Emmanuel was. It's impressive how unwavering Martin Luther was, John Calvin, St. Augustus, and... You know, all these great reformers that have come about and they had scripture to back it up. And I really believe in that. I got really strongly to my core, believed within Christianity, within Protestant Christianity, reformed theology or Calvinism was the purest source of understanding God and the true personality, characteristics and archetype of God, thinking God was the creator. And I defend it with my life. But it's pretty funny the new information I'm talking about here. (laughs) Back in the day, I'd get dragged out into the street and I'd burn to the stake for heresy, which is fine. But today's times have changed and it's not that way anymore. But there will still be a lot of hate. And if you look up online and you just look at the Talmud of Emmanuel, everybody that opposes the Talmud of Emmanuel, all they have is anger and name calling. (laughs) And there is zero factual evidence that I've found to support that it's a hoax. And that's what's so amazing about this Dr. Dierdorf is how much time he's put into it, his approach to try to be unbiased. You could tell at the beginning he was biased because he thought it was a hoax. And you, know, you draw your own conclusions from his writing on his website. But when I read through, I thought, I thought it was admirable how he tried. There was some bias leaning towards the side that it was a hoax. And rightfully so, the whole Christian community is automatically going to do that. Because there is no way to be unbiased going into something that is claiming what the Talmud of Emmanuel is claiming. But after 20 years of study, his conclusion was that the ability for the Talmud of Emmanuel to be a hoax, in other words, for it to be in favor of it being a hoax, is 10 to the negative 111th power. That means, I forget the way he describes it, there's less atoms in the planet than the chances for this being a hoax. In other words, it was against the negative 111th power. It's negative because it was against the fact that it could be a hoax. So his conclusion, after just based off of verse by verse and the ability for Matthew to come from Talmud of Emmanuel or Talmud of Emmanuel to come from Matthew, he went verse by verse and he gave an indication of the strength of possibilities that this verse from this book came from the other book. So when he went through, compared them side by side, verse by verse, that the possibility for it to be a hoax was just astronomical. It's crazy. And you can put that in people's face, you know, trying to show them the logic based off, you know, the logic you use to base your decision off of and what Dr. Deerdorf did. And it was just amazing. But what's even more amazing is I knew the truth about the Talmud of Emmanuel based off of what I learned from the, the Law of One raw material. I'd been studying the raw material for about two and a half years and just happened to hear somebody mention the Talmud of Emmanuel. I'm like, what is this they're talking about? I've never heard of this. And so ordered a copy and read it. And it blew my mind because it seemed like the exact same author from the raw material wrote the Talmud of Emmanuel. But uh, that's not the case. But what the Talmud of Emmanuel or the Gospel of Judas is claiming is the exact same thing that the... Uh, raw material is claiming in the law of one that there is one infinite creator and God is even a creation of that and there are higher density beings and within the one infinite creator in the beginning there is infinity infinity became aware there was a focus of infinity the original thought that focus is called love and from that focus came intelligent energy what we call the Holy Spirit and it's infinite and from that intelligent infinite energy came all light and and I can totally understand where People could see me picking and choosing and just, you know, I want to use this from here. I want to use that from here to prove my point. But I'm only, and like I said, I could totally understand that, but it's not the case. The reality of it is, it's like a statue. And for years, we've had this statue, this idol, this thing called the Bible that we've idolized for so long, even in Reformed theology. They looked at it, their perception was sola scriptura, which is Latin for scriptures alone. Which their focus was behind that to prevent anybody from using anything but the scriptures to explain God and his majesty, and that's why you won't find any other text outside the Bible that'll get accepted as as being used to interpret scriptures, so they only believe in scriptures can interpret scriptures, which I, and again, I totally understand the thinking behind it, and I was gung ho for it as well because people were trying to use some pretty pretty uh unusual writings to explain scripture. And at the time I was, you know, of course I was offended by it and I would just laugh just like everybody else would laugh, but always in the back of my mind, it's like, well, what if there's actually some truth to it? Not that it has to be all true, like some old Hindu texts and stuff like that. And cause there's some amazing stuff that's written in the Hindu texts as far. If you look at them as history books and that's what a lot of the Bible is and it should be is a history book especially the Old Testament. But when you look at some of those Hindu texts, there's a lot about a solar flare, about a a change coming to our planet, to our galaxy, and it all has to do with the solar flare. And it's funny how it corresponds with the book of Revelation and how the book of Revelation is just so standalone in everything that's in it. And it's so crazy and mind-boggling when you read it compared to the rest of the Bible. Ezekiel maybe is the only other thing that I could think of that compares to the book of, of Revelation in the Bible. Uh, the next outside the Bible would be the book of Enoch. But we discount those because of what? Because some theologians back in the day just decided that we are the greatest minds of this time. <laughs> and you shall not look at these scriptures. Oh, so you don't want us to educate ourselves on something outside scriptures. Well, okay, maybe I don't need to use those texts to interpret scripture and you might be absolutely right scripture can always interpret scripture but you can't tell me that i shouldn't be going out and reading these other texts as well so the book of jesher the book of jubilees the book of enoch i mean these are these are books that have you know especially the maccabees anything from the maccabees oh my gosh it's it's history and People try to put labels on us like, oh, it's corrupt because there were some bad copies floating out. Really? Where are the bad copies? Um, what exactly were those copies? You know, where were they lacking? Where were they changed? Um, and, you know, everything was destroyed back then. And it's you can look at it two ways. It's like Either they're trying to hide something or maybe it was true. You know, no one will never know. But what we do know is there are texts available now that we absolutely can read if we want to. And I am completely for 100% for everybody reading this stuff for themselves not letting somebody else tell them what to think what to believe that read the book not even me I don't even want people to just believe me because I said it I'm wanting to share this information because I want people to discover this stuff for themselves the way I discovered it just the way the Creator wants us to evolve the same way he evolved it's it's a process that's beautiful and, and when it's done by the self, discovered by the self, it's even more beautiful and it's even more empowering. And so my goal for all of this is just to get people thinking, just get people looking. And, and even in what's going on in our government, what's going on in the world, there's so many things behind the scenes that we don't understand what's going on. The true battle going on between Trump and his campaign and the alliance. And if you don't know about the alliance, go back and listen to a couple of my first episodes. But the alliance is real. And we are in space, I have no doubt. I have no reason to doubt all the whistleblowers that I've heard their testimonies and their stories about. I have no doubt that pedophilia is huge in the government and in Hollywood and globally. There are Facebook accounts advertising cannibalism. And as soon as it spreads, Twitter takes it down. There are advertisements on, I mean, excuse me, Facebook takes it down. Then there are people showing advertisements in Los Angeles on Twitter with restaurants Advertising cannibalism and cannibal cooking, and get get your reservations in before the spring cannibal season is over. I mean, I've seen these with my eyes, and these are real. These are verified. They <laughs> they are real restaurants that exist. These are real websites that people are, and there was even photographs. I mean, I've seen a dead body before. I've seen it you know, with very little to go with it or pretty much intact Uh, skinned not skinned it's not a pleasant sight but you can tell the difference between that and something from Hollywood you know from something like from the movie Predator you can tell what's real when it comes to the muscular structure underneath skin of an animal and that's it's no different for a human being and you see these things and it's crazy and it blow you away. And then what I've experienced personally in the military working overseas. There is so much pedophilia and there's so much sexual assault and everything going on with men and women. It's crazy. Even I would even have a gun on me? And I'd have a lot of men approach me at a temple structure wanting to take me off and be like, hey, let's go do this. But no, you guys, you can get away from me right now, please. <laughs> And it's, you get bombarded with it. I mean, it's just an invasion of your personal space, you know, it's just constant. So if you live within that day in and day out, I mean, you'd understand that, you know, it'd have an effect on the mind. But the fact is that You know, the people in control that have had the money, you know, for the last thousand years, two thousand years, they are into these practices. They are into cannibalism. They are into spirit cooking. They are into pedophilia, boys and girls. And there are symbols all over Hollywood showing this, you know, the triangle sign for boy love and the heart sign heart within a heart is a girl sign and you know i have no doubt it's going to come out soon and Pizzagate, the mainstream media is trying to really put down pizza gate and, and show it as a hoax i mean they have even sent a guy in to shoot it up the one bullet they got fired went through yep you guessed it this server why does the pizza pong pong or ping pong place have a giant server <laughs> and the bullet just happened to go into the closet and shoot the server it's kind of crazy right weird but uh you know then Anybody that supposedly believes in Pizzagate is a nut, just like the nut that went in there to shoot it up. So the mainstream media is weaponized, it's used, and what's going on behind the scenes of the government is very real. It's hard to, you know, first of all, it's hard to remember all the articles and evidence that uh, the real journalists have dug up these days. I try to save as much as I can. A lot of the resources I have to go through, uh, you know, I depend on them to... Uh, do more digging than I do, but they all come up with facts and documents that show what they're talking about. The mainstream media doesn't do any of that. They name call and they have confidential sources. So they will never reveal their source and they're constantly caught in a lie and they will not reveal any documentation. They'll only have opinions and and their own perspectives and demeaning and belittling. That is all they have. And there are amazing people out there, like on YouTube, has some great channels. Hulkinator, this guy, Hulk, the names are awesome, of course. Hulkinator, he is a great investigator. Shot 76 R-Doc, might be R-Doc-R, his name of his YouTube channel, but R-Doc, he's a great researcher. And, you know, some of these guys are in the intelligence industry right now. These guys that are doing the research. So they have the clearance level for a lot of the stuff, and they already have the knowledge and the foundation to know how to research stuff. There's another one called Corey, and I'm not sure if her last name is Dig, but her site is called Corey's Digs, and she's really great. She exposed an amazing thing about AIDS, and it wasn't just her alone. When she exposed it, there are some other videos that came out with interviews between doctors and researchers from the beginning of the 80s, and AIDS is one of the biggest hoaxes that ever lived. It's a real disease, but it's a hoax in the fact that you were lied to about it is completely false from what we've grown up and been told since the early 80s and the whistleblowers that have come out about it are the one guy is i can't remember his name but he's the original scientist that studied aids he wanted to help he felt so compassionate he was new up and coming and he got in on it and was able to be one of the first doctors to really start looking into this even before the doctor i can't remember the doctor that created the test um that guy's a phony When you really start looking into it, he's a phony, and his tests don't work. It's based off of false data, and they just pushed it. So if you test positive for AIDS, just go back five times and see how many times you actually test negative. And the guy that was, you know, the whistleblower trying to spread the word about it, his first argument was HIV is a retrovirus. Never in the history of the world has any retrovirus been proven to be sexually transmitted. And first of all, that's mind blowing. Well, how is AIDS transmitted? Well. Everyone thinks because it spread so fast in the gay community, it had to be from sex. And there are there is still some evidence because it still can be transferred blood to blood. And as far as I know, that's the only way for a retrovirus to be transferred is blood to blood. And so AIDS is said to be a known killer, you know, in the gay community. Well, he had some great information on that. He was like, well, first of all, let's look at what AIDS is. It's an immune deficiency. What else causes an intense immune deficiency? High use of amphetamines, methamphetamines, alcohol, and other kind of drugs. And what was prevalent in the majority of the drug culture in the late 70s, 80s, up to the 90s? The the use of methamphetamines was huge. I mean, it still is huge um, today all around the United States and globally. And it's that constant upper that is just wearing the body out and the first thing that gets worn out is your immune system so that's aids that's immune deficiency right there and he even talks about the first cases of aids that they have recorded was from i think it was Irschwitz or one of the concentration camps from world war ii the jews said a lot of the jews were suffering from aids and that was actually where it got its name and you know how they helped these people with aids they didn't give them any medication they treated the symptoms and put them on a healthy diet and a healthy exercise routine. The best way to fight AIDS is to treat the symptom and have a healthy lifestyle. A healthy, positive lifestyle. And what came about in the 80s was this insanely potent cancer medication that cancer patients were using. And I don't, I'm don't, i not quite sure of the numbers, but just to give you an example. The highest dose they would ever give a cancer patient, because past this dose it would kill you, they would only give them like level 2. The doctors for this AIDS hoax, this AIDS lie, they were prescribing AIDS patients up to level five. <laughs> First of all, they're telling me that they won't go over level two for cancer patients because it'll kill them. But all of a sudden, it's okay to do that for AIDS patients. And then they would take parents' kids away with the CDC if they weren't giving them this AIDS medication. So the parents didn't even have the option. So they had to give their kids this medication. And so it was constantly seen that all these AIDS patients were dying. Well, now let's go back and look at the research. How many of these AIDS patients were taking that medication? And uh, I believe Corey... Is working on that on her website. I believe she, I know she has three chapters out already on this AIDS, this AIDS slush fund and the AIDS hoax, but uh, she's gonna, she says she's gonna have up to 25 chapters on it. And the first three chapters are just amazing. And this is how it all got started. They knew they had something with AIDS, HIV. They knew exactly what it was from the get go. It was a retrovirus and it had to be transferred blood to blood. So, they also knew hep C was very uh, damaging disease as well. <laughs> so this is where the cabal comes in. This is their agenda to depopulate the planet, to depopulate the weak people or just the people that they deem less worthy, especially the minorities. So blacks, especially blacks in other countries, blacks in our own country, Hispanics, you name it, drug users and lower income homeless people them addicted and and whatnot but what was implemented in the early 80s under the governor of arkansas yeah you guessed it bill clinton they initiated a prison program for drawing blood and giving blood so it was seen to be this huge humanitarian effort to draw blood and give blood freely across the world yeah they gave freely out of the goodness of their own heart tainted blood so they knew the map because every inmate that goes into these prison systems in arkansas has to get tested. has to do a medical. So they know exactly who has what. And it's in their record. So they know who has hep C and they know who has HIV or AIDS. So they were drained. They were taking the blood from filling up uh, donor bags from these patients that they knew had AIDS. And they were shipping it worldwide through Red Cross. And uh, there's another humanitarian agency I can't remember either. But Red Cross has been corrupt for years. And it's coming out now. The amount of money they steal, it's it's absurd. And the amount of relief they don't give people just it's mind-blowing. So, I mean, Yemen, as well as withholding resources and aid, uh, Puerto Rico and the governor also assisting in holding back aid and the amount of money that they're transferring back and forth in cash secretly through, you know, saying it's medical supplies. And there's, there's actual footage of people in Africa going through these warehouses where there is footlocker after footlocker in two giant rooms stacked to the ceiling, 10 feet high, of nothing but cash. And it has Arabic writing on it. So it's getting funneled through Saudi Arabia. When you look at the history of President Obama and paying off Saudi Arabia, it's I mean it's so in our face. It's right there. It's crazy. But yeah, they are they were spreading the AIDS virus globally. And they definitely targeted Africa. And then they made up a story saying some guy had something. He didn't know what it was. We knew he had something. And he spread it. And it went from there. That yeah, sound familiar? Yeah, maybe like the coronavirus? No. I mean, this coronavirus isn't the first time they've done this. And Bill Gates is not the first time he's worked on a vaccine that actually kills people. Because he's part of that agenda as well. It's it's amazing. So Corey Diggs, and her website, check it out. She does some great work. But all this stuff is connected. All this stuff is connected to the secrets in our government. The secrets of the cabal, the people with money behind the scenes. You know, the Rockefeller saying, I don't care who makes the laws. I care about who has all the money. Because if you have all the money, it doesn't matter what the laws are, you run the world. And that's what they're going towards, the new world order, the globalist. And this is the cabal, this is the deep state. And every country has their own deep state as well. You can't just lump all of China in with China. You can't just lump all of Russia in with Russia. Britain has their own deep, deep state. Australia has their own deep state. New Zealand has their own deep state. I mean, the Five Eyes. The Five Eyes, there are a lot of good people in the government, but there are a lot of people that are not good and they're hidden too. And you don't know who they are, and that's what's so amazing about what's coming out right now. When Trump said he's going to drain the swamp, he wasn't kidding. And this is what it looks like seeing the swamp drained. It's all connected, and it's all connected to the Seeker Space Program. When you start looking at the whistleblowers of the Seeker Space Program, like Corey Goode and all these other scientists that are coming out, these deathbed confessionals, people that work for Lockheed Martin. And they're saying the interaction they had with extraterrestrial beings is just extraordinary and and constant once they were you know sworn to secrecy and brought in on certain programs and this is back in the 60s and some even before that there's no reason for these people to lie there's zero gain there's nothing but heartache by these people the ones that are on their deathbed you know they don't want to die with this information and you know they had a, a very quiet humble life up until that point where they could have used it earlier to make a lot of money if it was fake. But if it was real, they definitely would have been killed. And you look at all the people like Bob Lazar, all the threats against his life. He's got some real material. Uranium-115, I think. Uh, the heavy material that NASA and the government swears doesn't exist. But he, he's got a lot of information out there and, and video recordings of him actually testing Uranium-115. So it's... It's real. This evidence is real. This proof is real. And these whistleblowers, even if all they have is their word, first of all, how do they make up such an elaborate story? Second of all, how does that elaborate story match up with 10 other whistleblowers and they don't know each other? And then how does their story say so consistent and how do they constantly get their life threatened and losing six-figure jobs just to come out and say this and their life just goes downhill. Some of them it, it costs them their marriage, some of them cost them their dogs and their house is getting broken into by people threatening their life and shooting their dogs and throwing their dogs in front of cars on the highway in the interstate in California. I mean you just wouldn't believe the stuff that's going on. And it's all connected. The secrets that they're keeping the the secret bases underground the the secret Uh, bases on the moon on mars our secret space program way in the depths of space the anti-gravity technology the, the zero point energy and the free clean energy that we've had for years but they haven't wanted to share it and the technology is coming out to prove it and just two things to Proof, what I was just talking about, is this last September, the Navy just put in for a patent. And mind you, when you get a patent, you put in for a patent and it's awarded, you have to show proof of concept and workability. So it has to be proven to work. And so the Navy put in and was awarded a patent for a zero-gravity flying machine that is both stellar, interstellar, and, and underwater capable. And that's and when you look at the plans, that's the triangle. That's this Tr Three B, this triangle that everybody's been seeing for the last twenty years, maybe even longer. A great footage over, I think Belgium. Oh my gosh, with the three, uh, one central red light in the middle of a triangle, and each corner of the triangle has has some kind of an energy source, and it's just hovering over the town. So that was one plans that was actually admitted a uh, patent, and the other one was a a zero point clean energy. Device and it's a fusion device and it's only a foot cubed. That's the big as this device is. And you look at the patent. It can, I think, uh, like the output. I can't remember the units of setting. I'm just going to say gigawatts or gigawatts, (laughs) just for the sake of Doc Brown from from uh, (laughs) Back to the Future. But as an example, I'll say the most efficient and high output nuclear plant that we have nowadays puts out like four gigawatts of power this zero point energy device clean energy device puts out 450,000 gigawatts of energy and that's enough to run our whole country and more so these are things that are actually taking place if you're the cabal you make your money off of oil and energy this is a threat to you and the fact that the navy has been putting this patent in and both names both patents were put in under the same name and under the department of the navy and then you look at you know, what Trump is doing, you look at where the missile struck the Pentagon on 9-11, and those are the offices of the Navy. And you're thinking, well, who in the military can you trust? Well, as far as I can see, just by those two things alone is the Navy. You can trust the Navy. And who has the best intelligence in the world? I don't care if you think it's the CIA or the NSA or Homeland Security. Um, I don't think DEA would be on that list, but or ATF. Hands down, who has the superior intelligence is the Naval Intelligence Services. So when you look at QAnon, what's going on with QAnon? How is all this information coming out? If the Naval Intelligence is trying to help out America, is trying to help out the people by free energy and zero gravity flying machines and submersibles, and they took a hit on 9-11 with their office building at the Pentagon, then I would say, hands down, you could absolutely start by trusting the Naval Intelligence. And, you know, the nice thing about the Marine Corps is, We're Department of the Navy. But the president is our direct commander-in-chief. So that's what always made me a little leery about serving under President Obama. Because he had direct authority to send us wherever he wanted to go. But now that Trump's in, man, I wouldn't have a care in the world if Trump sent the Marines in. You'd know it'd be for a good cause and it'd be for the people. And so now you're starting to see these connections that connects space programs to the Trump and the swamp. And then to pedophilia, to Hollywood, to the cabal, to the bankers, the Rothschilds, the Rockefellers. I can't remember the Italian name. Um, uh, the Chinese, there's some big names in, in China that have a lot of money. And that's why oil dumped the way it did, because that was, that was orchestrated by the alliance. Because that's where the Rockefellers and, well, I think mainly the Rockefellers, that's where they make their money. That's their big money makers, oil. that goes all the way back to you know the the men that built america and and the rockefellers they're the bankers so you have an independent religious structure of the vatican in italy in rome you have an independent banking structure in london and then you have an independent military structure in the united states and that's dc they are their own independent entities and that's very bizarre and the fact that each one is slightly has a has a different corner of the triangle i guess you'd say but on those three pillars you can accomplish a lot and that's exactly what's been going on and that's exactly what's been in the plans and the works for years 4 years and and even you know back through the, the queen um, britain the whole british empire expanding colonization that is that was not that's not a very loving thing to do and you look at their goal was global domination and that's why they absolutely hated to give up america and that was a refuge for the protestants to be able to separate from britain from the king and the french as well that it gave him some space, gave him some refuge and a place for God's word to be taken care of for a time. But everything as far as what we believe in Christianity, you know, I can't really speak too much for other religions like Islam. But and then, you know, Mormonism came in eventually during the expansion west 1800s, and they've had their own things they've had to deal with. And it's interesting to compare what we know about the mormon religion to what we know about the raw material talmud of emmanuel and it really does appear that someone might have been speaking to john smith and trying to get him to understand him but again it got tainted the exact same way that the original message got tainted between emmanuel and the apostles and don't get me wrong i am not trying to bag on the apostles i'm not trying to claim that everything in christianity and everything in the bible is worthless that is absolutely not true I am saying we have to open our eyes to the fact that there is new information coming about because the the signs of the times are here. There is change happening. The energy of the Creator is flowing and it's exponential, it's building, it's compounding and you can see it in the swamp getting exposed, by the secret space programs getting exposed, by these whistleblowers coming out and not being afraid anymore and being protected actually and, and feeling empowered to speak and say something. And then we had the raw material. It's been around since the 80s, but it hasn't made any kind of a foothold in any kind of a a religious circle ever. It's always just been deemed New Agey because, oh, it's aliens. Okay. All right. Well, hate to break it to you, Christian world, but you've believed in aliens this whole time. You just don't know it. You just don't realize. Our eyes have been closed, and my eyes were closed as well. But I've always felt passionately about anything I believe is worth doing. Uh, for me sports you know early on growing up believing in Jesus and the message of salvation hands down I would go to my grave at a young age defending that as being true defending creationism over evolution defending just the fact there is a god versus atheists that don't believe in god and I took a lot of ridicule for it it's not easy bowling was real in the 80s as well <laughs> but the more I learned about Christianity and just the history of the church I realized that majority of Christians in the church itself don't actually know their church history. They don't know that Protestants came from Catholics. And so how how are these people talking so strongly about Arminianism? First of all, they don't know that it even is Arminianism, and they don't even know what Arminianism is, and they don't even know where it came from, and they don't even know that they're Protestants. They just think that they're... Like a non denominational church, or they're a Bible church, or that they're a Methodist, or that they're, you know, Presbyterian, or they, you know, denominations have confused people because they don't know their history. They just think that they're the denomination. They don't understand that that they're Protestant. And then if you say that they're Arminianists, oh, so you have the Arminianist point of view. Well, I don't know what you're talking about. Well, that's another big issue is labeling things. Anytime something's labeled, it kind of scares people and it, it puts a lot of pressure on somebody because once something is labeled then that person is also labeled it's kind of a form of control and manipulation as well but uh you know the whole separation of the protestants away from the catholic church and the king was huge back when america was first founded you know the pilgrims and you know before the pilgrims and after the pilgrims and and even today in today's church the lack of knowledge of just their own church history Is staggering, and even the Catholics. I mean, man, some of the most devout Christians I've ever seen still see to this day are Catholics, just because they adhere to all those silly little rules. Well, in my opinion, I believe they're silly, and I don't mean to degrade anybody if you're Catholic. But there are a lot of rules you have to follow, and that was supposed to be the whole point of Jesus dying on the cross was to eliminate the law. (laughs) Because sin is abolished, the law is abolished. But yet. The Catholic Church over the years found a way to make up more rules and they can control people. So then you start looking into the whistleblowing from the Vatican and the history of the Vatican. The Vatican was sneaking Nazis out during the rat line of World War II when Nazi Germany collapsed. They were giving all those Germanys, all those genocidal murderers from concentration camps and generals, they were giving them all visas. They got them all through the Vatican. And the Vatican snuck them out through the church, through the rat lines, through... The Catholic churches of Spain, and then eventually Spain to Portugal, and then there's also routes up through Norway as well. I mean, and this is all proved by FBI files that are actually on TV. History Channel has done a show for the last three years or four years called Hunting Hitler, and they they're going through actual FBI files, and you'll see that you know when the CIA actually takes over from the FBI in some of those files, and then all of a sudden the the case goes cold. Weird, huh? So the CIA, and then we have we have a A president from the 60s, JFK, that was assassinated. And everybody is just somehow content that we don't know who did it or that just it was Oswald. Really, the angle doesn't match. (laughs) The round doesn't match. And there's no such thing as a magic bullet. And you go with that theory and you just want people to believe. And I understand there's really a helpless feeling when you're trying to go against the government that is in full control. But that should show right there that there is something going on in our government that's unseen, that there's very real power happening, there's very real control. And it was just swept under the rug. And man, some of the recordings I heard, listened to, of President Johnson, who took over after Kennedy... When he didn't know he was being recorded and during phone call conversations, oh, this guy's nasty. He was a nasty dude. And even the way he treated JFK's wife, he, she still had blood on her blouse when the picture of them was taken later that day in the evening with President Johnson, her, and I think somebody else, I think there's three people standing in the picture. It was just heartless. So there's something going on. When you read through the raw material, you'll understand that the raw group is giving away some of these secrets. And when you... Look at some of the interviews of Corey Goode. He's one of the whistleblowers talking about the secret space program that he was sold into, pretty much forced into, for 20 years as a slave. He's giving briefings to us from his accounts and testimony of military people asking him about this Law One. And he'd never read the book. He didn't know anything about it. He's like, so is this how the raw group from the Law of One knew about our secrets? And he's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> you know? He's like, you don't know the raw material? I think it was a general or an American military officer. And Corey goes like, no, I've never read it. You know, and then they all got really quiet. And apparently when he started digging into it and asking about it, the military took um, a lot of interest in these channelings that were put out by the LL research group. Those three individuals that do the channeling sessions. And... uh, I think it really worried the military because how the heck were they getting this accurate information of the secret space programs? You know, even naming the number of ships they had at that time, and the military said it was 100% accurate. And we're finding out by these whistleblowers that all that information that they give us about scientific technical information is all 100% accurate. They're not lying to us. They're not lying to us about what the pyramids were used for the capabilities of the pyramid and what we're finding out nowadays with more tech better technology and spectrums that we can see and we can see the energy that raw is talking about that is forms a spiral and shoots out the top of these pyramids they confirm there's pyramids under the ocean that's what causes this effect in the Bermuda triangle that's because of old landmass is sinking in the ocean and it's shooting this energy and that energy messes with time because time and space is is connected and the energy that our planet puts off is intense and Powerful to begin with. Then it's focused with the giant pyramid. It's very intense. There's uh, other pyramids in Russia where uh, documentaries go through with cameras. And there's actually stones floating in the lower sections of these pyramids. Because the uh, the light gets turned inside a pyramid like a funnel. And it can create anti-gravity uh, properties within certain areas. And when Ra goes into detail what the pyramids were used for, they're just trying to show You tell people what they were trying to do to help humans at the time, but what we can do ourselves now without the help of the pyramid because of what came to be possible through Emmanuel and what he did. Even if the apostles spread a distorted view of it, a distorted version of it, it was at least undistorted enough to accomplish part of what they wanted, at least some of what they wanted, and that was love. And seeking the creator. And even if it was tainted by the fact that we still didn't understand there was a difference between the one infinite creator and God. And it was tainted that we thought that Emmanuel was the son of God coming in the flesh and died and conquered death. Because of this idea of sin. Even if those were the distortions, the positive beings, the confederation, they could still work with that. They could still get some positive results from that. And the fact that they let it go is amazing one, they're adhering to the first rule of distortion, free will. Also, two, is this energy, they're also tapped into the creator like we wouldn't understand. And they can see a possibility, probability of the future, which is positive. But also within that environment of a distorted religious group is there is still a great chance for learning. And even within the murder and genocide that was going on with the Catholic Church you know, the Great Inquisition, and just they said God wills it so they could accomplish what they wanted, and they killed everybody else. They rationalized the killing of so many people, the Great Inquisition, all under the name of God. And that that is a distortion to the extreme, to I, I believe, to the, the utmost. I don't know if you can get more distorted than that from a religious belief of God that he is a loving God, but yet you murder everybody because you don't believe in this God. That is antithesis of hypocrisy, and the exact opposite of what was intended. But within that, there were still true, genuine believers that believed in Jesus, so they believed in God, they believed in love, and they believed in salvation. And the message was good enough or undistorted enough to get us to this point where we are today. But I always knew there was something, we were going to find something out eventually that we knew was wrong. And that we knew was distorted and wasn't accurate. I didn't know what it was or where to find it because the only text we had at the time, you know, up to the, you know the early 2000s, say, was the Bible and all these other texts. They really didn't hint towards any real proof saying that something in the Bible was wrong or that the apostles misspoke. And also, there was the the guys and the and the the use by the Catholic Church of saying all scriptures divinely inspired. And so you have to totally believe in the inerrancy of the Bible, and the scripture, or else, oh, really? Who made this up? <laughs> Who said this? God willed it. God told me. <laughs> the scriptures say it. Oh, really? Where do the scriptures say it? I mean, for crying out loud, the Jewish nation lost most of the manuscripts for like a hundred and some years till King David went to a temple and they're like, oh, hey, this is where we put that. Oh, that's cool. I mean, they were taken into Babylonia. All that stuff was just discarded or hidden and thrown in the back corner. And and then they finally started rediscovering some of it. And it was preserved, which is a miracle. But it's a great history. Um, And, you know, I have no doubt that the nation of Israel was left to their own devices because they had to learn as a people humility. uh, Because I think there was some miscalculations. By the Confederation or by the Yahweh group, their intentions were good. Their intentions were pure, but there was just some mistake. You know, I wouldn't say I shouldn't say mistakes, but there were just some adverse effects because of ignorance on their part. Because they're still trying to understand us as well. Because I mean, you have to start thinking like a lower species, you know because if you're this higher seventh density being i mean you're trying to remember what it's like to be third density and not even just that a third density so complex with a veil over half of our minds that we only have a we have a conscious and a subconscious mind and the subconscious mind is the full memory of everything but we don't get that we don't get access to that and they've been living in the ways of love and wisdom for so long And they've been working so universally that there's so many different scenarios of cultures that they have to deal with. And it sounds like ours is probably one of the worst and the most complicated, maybe, you might say. But they also knew that they might have made some miscalculations. But the nation of Israel had to get dispersed. It was allowed to be dispersed. And sin was never corrected because it was left in play for a very specific reason. Because that also uh, creates catalysts as well for seeking. And that's when you start to question things because you're wanting to know the Creator, and that's good. We should question things. If every question is intended to lead us to more knowledge of the Creator, and we shouldn't stop until we are satisfied with the whole truth and the full truth, and no half truths in there. And constantly asking questions, constantly looking for new material, and see how it it goes together. But I always had a, a weird feeling back when I was, you know late in high school, early college age, but I just had a feeling at some point it was going to change where we found out out what's wrong. And the reason I say that is because one of the things that always jumped out to me in the book of Revelation is that everybody is eventually going to be united under one, what we would call religion, but with one belief. And I'm not talking about the new world order, you know, world religion. I'm talking about when the new Jerusalem comes out of the sky. Everybody will be one voice, and God is the king of many tongues and many nations, and we all believe the same thing, and even the New Jerusalem comes down, and there will be no temple, because God and the Lamb are residing in the New Jerusalem with them, and and He is their light. And so eventually, at some point, these other religions, or all the religions in the world, will come to one agreement and that'll be the truth. So at some point, and it's arrogant to think that Christianity is somehow going to be the one religion that everybody is going to wake up one day and say, oh, they were right about everything all along. No, I absolutely do not believe that. And the reason I don't believe that is because there's still a lot of lack of love and a lack of understanding of love in the Christian world, in the Protestant world, in the Arminian world, in the Calvinist world, in the Catholic world. There is so much lack of understanding of love that I absolutely hope from the bottom of my heart that Christianity didn't have it right all along. Because if they did, then it's almost hopeless because the way a lot of Christians treat each other and treat the people around them, it's reminiscent of the way the Jews thought they were elitist with all the nations around them. They got dispersed over it. So obviously there wasn't something right about it and their attitudes is horrible. And their attitude wasn't focused on love and universal love. And we are still trying to all learn the ways of universal love. And that jumped out at me with the raw material is their pure perspective of love. Not even just perspective, the way they describe it and the way they show you just by knowing your body, mind, and spirit better that you understand it. And for example, it's not just the way they described love but it's the way they describe what isn't love and it has to do with those three lower energy centers. If you don't know about the energy centers, then you don't know where this energy is coming from and you don't know where the energy is coming from that forms these thoughts and you don't know the energy behind loving someone, loving yourself, loving others, lying, cheating, stealing, manipulating. Where is this energy coming from? How do we recharge our battery at night every night when we go to sleep? Why do we need eight hours of sleep? What's going on there? It's a dimension to our body that we don't understand because we can't see it Well, once you understand and you believe by experiencing it personally you'll understand that these are absolutely real in the lower red energy centers nothing in the lower three energy centers is love anything about the lower three energy centers is never going to be used to show universal love and compassion to others around you first There's no selfless love when you're using any of those three energy centers. So you need to know what those three energy centers are all about. What are the signs that the energy is coming from that energy center? You know, in the red is the basic survival. That's the fire flight. That's the sexual reproduction, wanting to spread your seed, make sure it survives on the planet. Anger, rage, those are, you know, that goes with the fight or flight. Those are your basic instincts. Those come from, from the earth. That's the basic energy that the earth provides you. Provides every density being on this planet. The next one is orange. What you know is that orange is the next level up of, of manipulating. You learn how to manipulate the other people individually around you. You steal, you cheat, you lie, and you're deceitful in your words, and you start learning half-truths, and it's all about manipulation. And then the next is yellow, and that steps up to the pretty much the exact same thing, but it's on a larger scale with larger groups of people. And then also ego is wrapped in there as well. And any kind of arrogance, any kind of ego, any kind of, and oh man, some, some Christians just think you're part of a cult if you even mention the word ego. They think it's demonic. It's crazy. And the Christian world labels so much of this stuff as demonic and you're being deceived. Uh, that is exactly what Satan would say. <laughs> I'm pretty sure Emmanuel said a house divided cannot stand. That's exactly it. The negative groups, and what we know as a negative group, uh, predominantly here, is the Orion group. They are all about control, but they understand love, but it's love of self. But they're not stupid either. They, ex- they know exactly what the positive beings believe in. They know exactly how to pretend to be a good, to appear to be a benevolent being. But they also know how to slip that little lion with the truth as well. But this stuff was allowed to happen it was it was allowed to continue from Emmanuel's time through the formation of the Catholic Church through the Reformation through the Protestants escaping England and establishing the New World and then the formation of the United States but at some point according to the book of Revelation we are all going to be united in one belief and God will be at the head of that well then you can see once we start learning from the raw group that it's, it's kind of time for the truth to come out. And the way they present it is so amazingly humble and genuine. I mean, I challenge anybody to say they are not benevolent beings. And then prove to me how. Um, first, you got to prove to yourself, of course. And then prove it to me because I just don't see it. Maybe I'm blind. Maybe I am lost. But my resolve and passion for being a strong-willed Protestant Reformed Christian, I don't know if I could describe that to people. I mean, the only way I could maybe show them is like tense intense I was in sports and how intense I was in anything, any job I had, uh, the military, how intense it is to go into combat and to know that, you know, you're going to, you're trying to accomplish a mission, but get everybody back alive. The intensity it takes to be on the battlefield and, and, and willing to kill or be killed. I mean, that's the intensity that I believed in reformed Christian theology. So if you hear me and get some sense of, of the passion behind my belief and how strong of a, a believing Christian I was, then you know how strongly I must believe in the raw material and the Talmud of Emmanuel being true. Because otherwise, why would I start talking about this stuff being real? And it just hit me to the core. Everything I was reading, And not only what I was reading, the order that I discovered it in couldn't have been by accident. There's definitely been a plan laid out for me. And I have no doubt because I look back and I see it clear as day. If I would have read the raw material before all this stuff of the secret space program, i probably have been like, wow, that's just crazy alien stuff, man. All right, whatever. But the fact that I read it after learning about the secret space programs and the cabal and the deep state and the secrets between 9-11 and how the cabal absolutely hates the rest of the world and wants to control the rest of the world, my eyes wouldn't have been opened as far. And then the fact that I read Talmud of Emmanuel after all those is even more powerful. So the fact that I read them in those orders shows that there was a plan for exposing this stuff to me. And then just reading through the material themselves no doubt that I was supposed to be here at this time with, with enough time on my hands to want to read, to want to research, to know what's going on, to seek more truth of anything I could find out there. And this is what came to me. This is what fell into my lap. And once I read it, I had a better understanding of love. And every time I I go back, cause I mean, I, I've wrestled with this back and forth, I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm actually considering this. This is mind-blowing. But in a way, everything I've known from Christianity the Protestant Reform perspective, there's still a lot of truth to it. So I'm not trying to pick and choose and trying to make it work. I'm just trying to expose the truth that's been underneath all these distortions all along. Like I was saying before, it's this statue that has been covered with all these clothes. You still see the face of the statue underneath. But you finally expose the statue for its truth, for its pure form. And it's a beautiful, pure white marble statue that it just shines in the sunlight. You're like, wow, this is amazing. You know, and you understand, you know, the analogy I'm trying to make. But the truth is still under there. I, I really do believe the truth is under a lot of religions. The truth is love. And ultimately, the one infinite creator is love. But it's getting rid of and shedding all those other distortions. But with Christianity, it was the hardest to find any distortions because there was nothing out there proving that anything was wrong or that there was any foul play whatsoever. And the raw material just gets the ball rolling. The Talmud of Emmanuel is the icing on the cake. And all of a sudden, you realize, wow, that could very well be true. And so we need to prove, we need to really consider this and do some research. And that's exactly what Dr. Dierdorf did and like i said i knew from the get go that talmud of emmanuel was at least 95% accurate so insanely accurate because of the raw material proving its accuracy in the fact that they're saying the exact same thing about a one infinite creator and we don't call him god and he is the central source of light that had created everything and emmanuel says the exact same thing that in your ignorance and childness, you still think that God and the One Infinite Creator are the same thing. They are not. And this is huge. But he also goes on to talk about creation and the beauty of creation and, and the power of creation and the spirit. The body, the body, the mind, and the spirit. And that's the exact same thing the raw material was talking about. The exact same thing that Ra was saying in those channeling sessions. It's amazing. So the fact that the intensity of my resolve of being a Reformed Protestant Christian... Before, I thought it was unwavering, and, and the only thing that would make me waver, it would have to be something so mind-blowing, I, I couldn't help but say, yes, this has got to be truth, and that is what's happened to me. That is why I am sharing this, but I don't want people to just take me at my word. I want people to read this stuff for themselves. I want people to look into the Secret Space Program. I want people to look up Corey Goon on Cosmic Disclosure. You, know, you can find it on Amazon Prime. It's uh, on the Gaia Network. GAIA.com. You've know, you got to pay for a subscription. Um, I want you to research all this stuff about Q. I want you to research the Cabal, 9 11, um, Clinton Cash documentary about the Clintons and the Uranium One deal and the Clinton Foundation and all the dirtiness. I want you to read Transformation of America because Kathy O'Brien's story is a beautiful story. It's a painful story to read about, and it's still painful that her daughter still dealing with so much, but it's beautiful. In the saving grace of the Creator and all the beings out there that are working behind the scenes to help us all. The power that she gained by coming out of that life is. you can't really put a value on the strength of her testimony unless she lived through it. So I have no doubt that she volunteered to incarnate into this life knowing that was going to be her life. Because at the end, of the life what did it bring it brought enlightenment to a lot of people and helped expose the cabal and these luciferians and their luciferian occultic ritual practices and it's beautiful in the fact that she was so willing to incarnate into a life and, and i have no doubt she might not realize that yet uh, she could be a wanderer you know a star seed you know, and if you didn't listen to my last message or recording, you know, star seeds are these higher density beings from other planets that are coming here to incarnate, to help raise the vibration, raise the consciousness of the people on this planet. And so they come through willingly and knowing that they have to go through the forgetting, the veiling process and have a subconscious mind and they have to relearn and discover love all over again in third density. And they can get trapped in third density, and have to repeat on another planet after this. That is a possibility, that is a potential. But they went through this willingly. And after a certain understanding of love, even if you're from this planet, you're reincarnating, you start to plan your lessons as well. Once you become aware of love, and once that awareness happens of spirit and love, when you reincarnate your next life, you're also planning these lives as well. So even if she is from this vibration of this planet. She definitely had to, at some point, understand and know that that was going to be her life I mean, from an infant. I, I won't go into detail because it's just its crazy. I mean, it's graphic, and I love how she doesn't hold back any of the graphic explanation of what was happening to her because I believe everybody needs to understand and hear and read what she lived through. That's the least we could do for this woman. But there's so much information from so many different angles. Is the reason why I feel so strongly about the way I feel nowadays. But it's also opened my eyes. And and the personal experience I've witnessed myself with understanding these energy centers better. You wouldn't believe what's happened to me. It's and you know even if you talk to my wife, she she will tell you she would she's noticed a change. And especially after getting out of the military, there was there was a lot of trauma there that I didn't realize was there, but just a lot of sadness and wondering what the heck's going on, what's the next step in life, and still believing that something good is going to happen. Because, you know, he's always taking care of me. And I definitely learned that in combat. I had no fear of dying after a point because I could see the protection over me and over the guys that I worked with. It didn't, I mean, rockets getting knocked out of the air by nothing that we could see, <laughs> I knew. There's a couple other guys in my platoon. We, we had a really good idea what caused those rockets to just fall out of the sky right before it hit our vehicles. I mean, you wouldn't believe it. So I, I'd always known there's protection for me my whole life. And I always knew there was something good around the corner. But, man, I this has blown me away. This is beyond my wildest dreams. The amount of joy it's brought to my life is is hard to portray to people. But uh, even in the fact that, you know, one night I hit a deer with my truck and that thing was dead as a doornail. And I was just starting to learn about the raw material, reading it and understanding the energy centers and understanding how healing works and in understanding that healing doesn't come from the person. The person just becomes a conduit for the light. And once you understand the light, you understand exactly how Emmanuel was healing people. And it was through the Green Ray Energy Center. That is the great healer. That pure green light, that true green light, is the great healer and it's actually a builder too you can build and construct with it once you understand that the light comes from the one infinite creator and how it interacts with our body and these energy centers and it was like two o'clock in the morning and icy roads i hit a deer pretty big sized buck and it was right in the middle of the road so i went to go drag it out of the way the moon was bright and i waited to see if there's any rise and fall of the chest for a good I don't know, minute and uh you know, talking back to the people in my truck, what's going on? Just give me a minute and, and it was dead. It wasn't breathing. Its head had crushed up against my uh, front right bumper and broke my headlight. We we're going like thirty five miles an hour. And and all of a sudden there's just a rush of energy and realization that it is possible for the the creator to heal this animal through me. It's totally possible. And so knowing what I knew and what I'd learned about the energy centers and the energy of the spirit or the intelligent energy flowing through my body i just mentally the best way i could and the best i understood how raw explained things reached down i tried to pick up this deer like i said it was huge i'm 190 pounds that deer was heavier than i was and yeah i got everything picked up except the back legs i just couldn't pick up the back legs and the next thing i know this deer throws his head back hits me in the side of the head and then just starts flailing his legs around this thing was dead when you when you see a dead animal, you know a dead animal, <laughs> especially when you hit it that fast going, or hit, hit it with a vehicle going that fast. And this thing came to life in my arms. And not only came to life, it came back kicking and screaming. And then it was kind of a wrestle to still get it out of the road before another vehicle came. And you know, it's snowy. There's huge snow banks on the side of the road. So I thought, man, maybe I could just at least get it to the, to the snow bank and get it there you know, bedded down in, in a bedded position like you see deer do when they sleep. And man, it was a struggle. This thing came back full to life, but he was punch drunk and wasn't quite aware. He was trying to run. And I'm trying to grab his front hooves and drag it off the side. That wasn't working. So I tried to scoop it up again. He's throwing his head back. I'm trying not to get hit with a hoof or a head. And I finally get underneath him and <laughs> kind of throwing the best I could into a snowbank. And he's still kind of laying awkwardly and... Uh, You know, you're dealing with trauma with people in in combat or or combat trauma training. I tried to get them in the best comfortable position possible and uh, kind of recovery position. So I was trying to get this deer in this this position. And he finally started coming back more and more and more. And I could just feel this energy surging through me. I mean, it wasn't anything I did. But I could totally feel the energy just feeding me and coming down from above and just flowing through me. And my chest, my chest was like... It wasn't just my lungs and and heart pumping. It was a physical like uh, when you get the chills, you know, when you get the constant goosebumps. They wouldn't go away. The goosebumps would not go away. It was just energy flowing through my body, and it was crazy. And I finally got the deer set down in the snowbank, and I was exhausted at that point. So I just sat down there and I leaned up against the deer. The deer leaned up against me, and I could tell it was a buck. He had shed his his antlers, but he was a really nice buck. And he just looks at me. I start petting its head like a dog and talking to it like hey hey buddy what's going on (laughs) hi feeling all right (laughs) um it's kind of a hard hit you took (laughs) and uh i look across the road and his buddies he was with uh, the other buck two bucks were waiting for him on the other side of the road so they're still waiting for him and he just laid there i had deer fur all over my clothes and the thing was fine it was coherent had a little blood i he actually let me wipe the blood off of his nose And it was completely fine. We came back the next morning to see if it was gone, and yeah, it was gone. It ran off. You can see the tracks uh, on the other side of the street. I mean, and those are the things that have been happening to me. And and I start finding, like, there's some other weird things going on with my body, too, in the heart and the chest area. I'm starting to find out on, on social media, especially Twitter, this is a common occurrence happening with a lot of people. So I did some research, and it has to do with the sun. The sun is putting out... Different type of energy, more intense type of energy. And if you look at uh, Suspicious Observers on uh, YouTube, their channel, it's great, man. These guys, they're cosmologists, and uh, and they're really good about their understanding of the electroplasmic, plasma, plasma, electric universe, I think is uh, how they describe it, and the electric connection between our planet and the sun. And they can start, they're starting to predict earthquakes based on this model instead of the current scientific model. And they themselves know that once the increase in this certain type of energy that they have on one of their their gauges, their meters that they uh, evaluate every day, when this is high, people start having more chest and cardiac type issues. And and it has to do with, I can't remember the type of rays uh, that's coming through, but it's intensifying and it's from the sun because there's change going on because there's change from 3rd to 4th density and this is good these are good changes and there's no need to be concerned about it but there is a need to know more about it and this is how we learn and the raw material is just one of the best sources of information for us to learn more about our body mind and spirit and i have no problem listening to anybody else but it would definitely take a lot for someone to convince me that i was i was generally being misled because the result of any of this has only been me understanding love or having a better understanding of love and a selfless form of love than i did before and if i'm going to err I'm going to be wrong in anything, I'd, I'd rather be wrong <laughs> with the byproduct being I know how to better love others outside of me, and that I don't need to be so selfish. And then I can put people first, and I can stop judging people. And it's easy understanding the Creator. It really does help, and understanding your body, the energy centers, and how everything works. It's it's a, like I've said before. You know, people might laugh at me, but it really is a beautiful process. It really is a beautiful evolution of life. It's mind-blowing. And then we understand from Ra, you know, the whole purpose of animals and trees and and what the Bible meant by Adam supposed to be a steward of the animals. There's reason behind this. I, I always wanted to understand why he said that and why it just kind of seems like we don't really have to do anything with the animals. We just have to try to not, you know, kill them too much that they're extinct. But... i've always had a love for animals but i understand that the majority of the world might not you know especially with all the big game animals that are being killed on a daily basis for their tusks and horns and stuff like that but i mean there is so much more that i learned about love itself can be looked at outward as well understanding what the real war is and it has to do with benevolent beings helping us develop towards love and selfless love universal love and the other group the negative group the malevolent beings wanting Part of this population to polarize negatively towards the selfish type of love. And once your eyes are open, like you can't put that genie back in the bottle. The toothpaste does not flow back into the bottle, no matter how hard you try. And you know, if you attempt to do it, you just get it all over you and now you're wearing it. So there you go. <laughs> it's your new wardrobe. But anyways, I just wanted to take time, in this recording, to explain to people my resolve behind all this information. And I didn't come about it believing in it lightly. That is not at all the case. I struggle with a lot of it early on, just uh, the burning in, in my brain and my chest and, you know, thinking, oh my gosh, I can't believe I am actually considering something else. But I have to look at the evidence. And the evidence is the better understanding of love. And the Bible really does support it. So I'm not trying to pick and choose to make it fit the Bible. I'm trying to show people that the Bible has been saying this stuff all along. But there's distortions in the Bible, and there's biases, and we have to accept the fact that it is not all perfect. It could absolutely be divinely inspired without being perfect, without it being a perfect image of the archetype of God and the Creator, God as the Creator, or the one Infinite Creator standing alone, and God being separate. Even though the Bible teaches, or the people the Bible writes about, have always believed that the God of the Bible and is the Creator, of everything that we know. And the fact that that's getting challenged and has never been challenged is, is mind-blowing, in, in my opinion. And the fact that Emmanuel is recorded by Judas, who was the only literate one of the group, recorded everything Emmanuel said. And that's one of the exact things that he challenged the Pharisees and Sadducees on. And yet you look at the crowds that still believed in him, knowing that that's what he was saying back then, even though it got recorded incorrectly. But the people still believed and they saw the miracles that he performed and they believed that he was special and that he was the Messiah. And when he would go around the crowd, he would ask them who they thought he was. And they would say he's the son of Gabriel, celestial son of God. And he was recorded by Judas as being surprised and pleased to hear that. And then he would ask his disciples, and they would say, you're the son of God. (laughs) Like, no, that's exactly what I've been telling you. I'm not. In your ignorance, you will go on to spread false things about me that will cause death upon death. And you will even begin to believe in a trinity. And he in Emmanuel even kind of lashes out to Peter saying that you will, out of your ignorance and your lack of understanding of what I'm telling you now, I'm prophesying to you that you will in the future Let people believe in something as false as the Trinity. And the Trinity is false because there is only one. There is only creation and everything is inside creation. The exact same thing that Ra has been saying in the Ra channel recordings. Like I said, it's amazing. The connection and the pure information that's being passed between the two different sources that are unconnected. So I think that's about all I had planned for this talk. Um, a little more about myself and a little more about my resolve and this hasn't come to me lightly i'm very passionate about anything i feel is worth believing in and that includes this and that's why i'm doing these recordings but i encourage everybody to research everything on their own don't just believe something you hear just listen to it and put it in a category as oh man that's interesting I need to look into that more. Write it down. Record it. Put it in your phone. I need to look into that more. Yeah, I need to do more research on this. Oh, I need to look into that. Okay, but at least listen. At least have enough love or lack of fear to listen to something that could potentially teach you more about truth. And that's all all I'm intending this channel to be and these recordings to be is to help people get on that path. And uh, and that's it. But this is uh, Insignificant Man. I'm signing off. And I hope everyone's doing well. I will talk to you later. Bye.